You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Discover North Korea. I'm Zoe and as you might be able to hear in the background, today's episode is going to be a tad different. If you've listened to the most recent two episodes of this podcast, you'll know that I had plans to enter China and in fact I did. What actually seemed like an impossible task after being stuck out of China for the past few years was honestly incredibly easy in the end. I didn't even need to show um, a PCR test. I didn't even need to do anything really. It was it was insanely easy and I really didn't expect it to be like that. And I'm here. I'm in Beijing. More specifically, I am in Beijing train station to be exact, um, about to board a train up to China's northeast. A city that looks out into North Korea called Dandong. This journey is no short one, overnight in fact, and it is currently about 4pm. I'm waiting for my train at about 5.30. I thought I would get here a little bit early, um, but to be honest, when you're getting a train in China, um, it is kind of similar to getting a flight. So you do have to have to um, get there quite early. Um, you need to show your passport, you need to clear security, stuff like that. So I'm not actually super early and plus there's a lot to do here. You can get some extra snacks, um, stuff like that. So I'm at Beijing train station and I have a long journey ahead. It's this journey that I thought it would be nice to take you on throughout this podcast episode. I'm sure there will be lots of pushing and shoving, which you'll undoubtedly be able to hear at least a little. Uh, lots of people smoking and sunflower seeds being thrown everywhere. Luckily, you won't have to see or smell any of that. And, you know, the woman waking me up at 6am shouting, shouting if I want some hot milk and hot coffee. Um, she's etched into my memory over taking this train uh, 20 or 30 times a few years back. I honestly, I've missed her, you know. 
Um, I'll also be making a video on, on getting this sleeper train to the North Korean border. So make sure to watch out for that on my YouTube, Zoe Discovers. Um, I'll probably try and have these two things out around the same time, um, but the video will probably be a little bit slower. Anyway, head over to my YouTube, check if it's there. If not, it'll be there um, in the next week or so. Um, if you want more visuals of this episode and maybe more visuals of the sunflower seeds everywhere and the things, honestly, it's, it's going to be... Um, hectic. Although, you know what? I say that, but things are very different so far. For now, though, I just want to say welcome back. Um, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks again for always returning. It recently hit in the last couple of weeks. It recently hit over 5,000 downloads. So a massive thank you. Um, if you have any questions, if you have any guest recommendations, anything like that towards the podcast, you just want to say hi. Um, a few of you have been. It's been lovely. Um, email zoediscovers at gmail.com. You can also find me on any social media, really. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, all of those things on at Zoe Discovers or at Zoe Discovers NK. Um, I do reply mainly on Instagram, though, if you do want to DM me there. So let's get on with the podcast. I am currently sat in Beijing train station, as I just mentioned, waiting for my train, recording this episode. And I really hope this audio comes out okay. A bit on the train experience, I'm going to go more into that in a minute because I want to kind of take you guys along the journey with me. Um, but I just want to say, like, my first impressions of Beijing train station, how I remembered it to be three years ago, or I suppose over three years ago was the last time that I was here, about three and a half years ago. Um, it's changed dramatically. Like, there are some massive changes. Um, firstly, the um, outside has had a complete makeover and um, the, tr- the tickets are all electronic which is an incredible system um, there's no more physical tickets it seems like there's no physical tickets at all um, and on my youtube video i'll try and put up a physical ticket so you can see what they used to look like but it's a kind of a shame i'm kind of nostalgic about those tickets um it's okay i have like absolutely tons collected up um And I have to say the electronic train system is so much more efficient. You literally, because I I booked my tickets obviously um, when I was outside the country and you can now book tickets easily on on foreign platforms online because these are all e-tickets. And basically all you have to do is um, you have to go to like the special barrier that is manned by a person, which is fine because foreigners had to do that anyway. Um, you give them the passport um, you have to make sure that you book it on the passport that you will or the identity identification that you'll be traveling on that's basically how they let you through um, and that's it it's, it's just super easy and it, it took me like one minute to get through um, the the ticket barrier and then also through the security I don't know if this is because a combination maybe it's a combination of both because the new ticket system really is very efficient but also there's no one here and that's the next thing I was going to say there really is like so few people compared to what they used to be and maybe it's just because I'm quite early um, but also you know I'm, I'm sitting at the gate where a lot of other trains are taking off and I have to say it is empty here you know like previously I would be pushing and shoving and you know there would be like nowhere to sit um, maybe it's going to get like that in a minute but Wow, yeah, there really is very, very few people here compared to what I'm used to. The, the other noticeable thing as well is that it seems like the inside has had a complete makeover. Um, it's gorgeous, um, and maybe I just don't remember it so well, but it's really clean. Uh, the toilets have definitely had a makeover. They're very brand new like um, toilets. 
There are lots more kind of water machines, stuff like that. The annoying thing about Chinese, uh, like mainland China, though, that I've realized compared to Taiwan is that all of China's like water that they provide. So like, you know, like water machines where you can like drinking fountains and stuff like that. Not a drinking fountain because like not one that you would like use your mouth on because that would burn. But I mean, like ones where you fill up your bottle, they're all boiling water. Um, and I only realized that because now I'm used to Taiwan and Taiwan will offer like three taps. You know, it has like a, a cold tap. It has like a normal room temperature tap and then it has a boiling hot water tap, um, obviously for tea and stuff like that. But China, because they just love their hot water um, they're all hot, like boiling hot water taps. So like I had to get used to that a little bit because there's no like just going up and filling up a plastic bottle or something like that um, and drinking it straight away. I realized how inconvenient it is because you always have to wait at least like 10 or 20 minutes for the water to cool down before you like glug on it. But I suppose it doesn't matter when you're in Beijing and it's it's not so warm right now. I don't know. Anyway, I've just found that very, very inconvenient. But they have a lot of boiling hot water taps here. Um, and what else do they have in the train station? They have convenience stores. They still got the KFC. It just all seems a lot bigger and cleaner. And yeah, I really feel like they've probably yeah, just done it up recently and it's it's all very different. Um, in, in, in a good way, in a good way. Uh, but I say that and I haven't even got onto the train yet. So so let's hear it, see how it goes. Before we get on this train though, I wanted to update everyone a bit on how I got here. Um, and so you all know uh, by now that I was locked out of China back in early 2020 as the pandemic started. I go over this story in episode 13. I'm not gonna go over it again. Recently, on the 15th of March this year, China announced that it would open to all visitors, including tourists. Um, it also mentioned that, crucially, tourist visas issued before March 2020 um, would now be accepted once again. They were originally, like, cancelled. But this is crucial for me, as I had a five-year Chinese visa from this time, which still has just got over, like, about one year of validity on it. This is how I entered China, um, as apparently China haven't yet issued any tourist visas. Um, they've only issued like group visas, um, despite it being open for tourism. So honestly, um, I think that I'm one of the first tourists to get back into the whole of China, um, as most can't even get or haven't even got visas yet. Um, and it did only open a couple of weeks ago. I can tell you for sure, for certain, that I am the only foreigner in this train station right now because I just had a wander around. I was taking a few videos. Um, a few bits of film and stuff like that. And honestly, there is, yeah, I mean, to be honest, there's hardly anyone here compared to usual, but there's definitely no foreigners here. Everyone's looking at me like uh, I am a, a bit of a weirdo as well, which is, you know, fine. Um, <laughs> when I checked into my hotel as well, the owner remarked like, oh, like, I haven't seen a tourist visa in years. And like, I just smiled at him and I was like, bro, I know, I know, man, it's been a while for me too. Um, honestly, it was bizarrely easy to get into here. At first, I thought, it, I, need, I thought I needed a PCR. I spent an arm and a leg getting one in Taiwan. Honestly, for some reason, they're crazy expensive, like $100? in Taiwan, like why? Or like even more than that, I, I don't know why. Um, before, but so I, I spent this money doing that. Um, and like literally that morning, um, the regulations changed saying that um, you wouldn't need one. And like annoyingly enough, um, I went to go and get my PCR. And the people at the hospital very nicely told me, like, hey, we've heard rumors, like, we've heard the information from the news that you don't actually need a PCR anymore, but we don't have any, like, official confirmation. And, like, I tried to call the airline. Anyway, long story short, I couldn't find any 
like official information myself. I was already nervous and worried about coming here. So, um, you know, I just got it. I just paid it, whatever. It's, it's frustrating, but hey. Um, so anyway, uh, all you need apparently now is a lateral flow test, and I got one of those, but um, you know, they're super cheap, they're available everywhere. But in the end, no one checked anything, and uh, it was just super smooth. Just needed to scan a code in WeChat and fill out some information on like where I was staying, where I'm from, where I've been in the past 14 days. And the most shocking thing, and the thing that is shocking to me now as sitting in this train station, is that like, hardly anyone is wearing masks. Like for me, that is very, very different to what I was expecting. <clears throat> because in Taiwan, even though the mask mandate, um, you now don't have to wear masks um, outside and in public spaces as well, you don't like also have to wear masks only like if they request it. So like in shops and stuff like that, you don't have to wear masks. But I would say like 90% of Taiwanese people still wear masks. Um, you still have to wear masks on public transport, stuff like that. Um, but really, honestly, most Taiwanese easily wear masks. But in Beijing airport, I got out and I was like, I just presume that you still need to wear a mask, you know? On the flight, I presumed you still need to wear a mask. Like half the people were wearing masks. I was so surprised. Um, really, hardly anyone was wearing masks compared to in Taiwan. And also in this train station right now, like I'm looking around, I would say it's even less than 50% of people are currently wearing a mask, which um, is, a, is great. It's amazing, you know? China's moving on. Um, I, it's just really shocking to me, especially compared to Taiwan. So, uh, anyway, from Beijing airport, I slowly made my way into central Beijing. And man, it, it was so good to be back. It was overwhelming. Um, I'm not going to lie. It, you know, I think whenever you get to a new country, it is overwhelming, um, especially when the culture is so different and you're not used to it and stuff like that. And like, even for me, someone who travels a lot, that still happens. Um, my secret is, is that you just kind of try and power through that and ignore it and act confident. And in the end, you're, it's literally like fake it till you make it. Like in the end, that confidence that you're pretending is there will just happen. You know, like I will just like walk around the streets of a new city, like I own the place. Um, and uh, in the end, I feel like, okay, yeah, like, you know, this place is not so scary actually. Um, so that, that's kind of what I do and that's kind of what I did. Uh, although I did get lost in the hutongs trying to find my hotel. Um, hutongs, by the way, I'm, I'm gonna talk about them. I'm gonna mention that word quite a lot because I freaking love the hutongs in Beijing. Um, they are basically old, uh, traditional, historic alleyways. And Beijing is made up of, of hundreds of them. Um, it's, it's the core of Beijing, really. And what hasn't been torn down in the past 10 years um, is still there and is still very beautiful. Uh, fortunately, I think the Chinese government, uh, so basically they were tearing down the hutongs, uh, making way for big skyscrapers, stuff like that, uh, over the past 10 years. Um, but fortunately, I think that they have seen uh, the value in the hutongs recently in the past couple of years. There's been a couple of um, organizations that have, you know, trying to, been, trying to stop this, this um, tearing down of the hutongs. I remember when I, when I was living here, um, you know, uh, so many of my friends, we would joke like, you know, because we were living in the hutongs, we would joke whose hutong was going to be next, whose alleyway was going to be torn down next. Um, and it's, it's always a wonder if, if your favorite bar in your favorite hutong has been torn down yet or not. Um, but a, a lot of organizations have been kind of 
vetting against this and it seems like the government have listened because um, I've heard recently that um, yeah they're starting to add a lot more value to these hutongs so so that's really good anyway I, I totally got lost um, in them they're very small tiny alleyways with like lovely lovely little houses again you'll be able to see this on my YouTube video unfortunately this is just um, this is just audio um, but they're, they're like lovely little houses like one story two story houses and just very typical Chinese style that you might imagine gorgeous um, but you know you can easily get lost on them and get lost on them I did um, so you know there's me acting confident and then everyone's shouting and it's, it's all very Beijing and China and I, it just wasn't used to that I haven't had that in a few years so it, it was overwhelming at first and you know honestly it was overwhelming to be back as well um, it's a place that I've been uh, at times very desperate to get back to and at other times just kind of longing for um, kind of in the background always wanting to get back but never too urgently so it was a mixture of emotions to get back and um, I would say until I met until I met my boss uh, Nick from um, Nick from Corio big shout out to him um, we saw each other quite a lot in Beijing that was just, that was really really nice um, before I saw him um, in my first evening I would say like it was all a bit too overwhelming and then I saw him he gave me a big hug and then we went out for dinner and uh, it just all my feelings rushed back to China my love for for the country to be honest um, it's, and my love for the city is an incredible city so I found you know living in Taiwan and the current political climate uh, all the anti-China sentiment and stuff like that like it had kind of got to me. I have to say, like, I was not feeling so positive about China and I wasn't feeling so positive about... I, I genuinely thought, like, hey, you know, I can come back, I can, like, kind of say goodbye and move on. Um, but in the end, I came back and I was like, man, no, I, it's exactly the same as it was. That's another thing, you know, it's exactly the same as it was. Everyone was saying, like, oh, Beijing won't be the same, China won't be the same. It's exactly the same as it was. I'm sure it was very, very different during the pandemic, but it seems to have just, that was a blip in its history, and it seems to have just bounced right back. Um, and I still love it. I love it for everything that it is. It's history, it's culture, it's people, absolutely incredible. And, um, yeah, to be honest, I don't know why I expected any different. Uh, it just, just goes to show you... Um, how being in different environments and people, different people kind of speaking to you, you consuming, like even passively, different media and stuff like that. Um, the anti-China sentiment in Taiwan is high. Uh, fair, fair enough, you know. Um, but just being around that environment has, um, has definitely rubbed off on me in a way that I didn't realize that it had. Um, and yeah, whilst I wasn't feeling so positive, uh, maybe, about coming back, um, I'm definitely very positive about being here. Um, so not to blabber on too much and stuff, but I, maybe I can just go over some of my biggest feelings on China and being back, um, on the things that I've missed and the things I haven't missed. So, you know, yeah, my biggest feelings on China, I would say, uh, from being back is, is, you know, the masks and the fact it hasn't changed. Um, the culture and the history... And I, you know, I want to say like, and I, you know, I want to say like, I don't know why I have to remind myself of this because I'm constantly saying all the time that like, you need to separate the politics from the people and the culture and the history. And I'd kind of forgotten that you have to do that. And like, forgotten that I should do that. And I kind of let myself, let all the politics get to me, um, which is uh, really frustrating because I'm constantly trying to advocate for the fact that, you know, you shouldn't do that. And you, there, there is a way to separate the politics from the people. Um, and that's why I do all of this stuff with North Korea. 
Um, and that, you know, that's what I try and do on my on all of my social media. Um, and I found that I myself had not done that uh, when, you know, in recent years thinking about China. So, um, yeah, you know, you can separate China from the politics and uh, the history, the culture, it's just so rich and it's everywhere. You, you can walk around and you just absorb it. And Chinese people, man, I have missed them. Um, you, you, in Taiwan, you really have to ask for someone's contact info. And they are so reluctant to give it to you um, or give you their Facebook or Instagram instead, you know, they, they won't give you like their specific contact information. But in China, within two hours of arriving, I'd reluctantly given my WeChat contact information to two different people. Like people are just so forward here and so straightforward. And it's, I, I just really get on board with that. Um, the, the, the people here are very straightforward, but they're very, very friendly. And, um, and I think because of this um, straightforwardness that they're, they're often misunderstood, but uh, yeah, I really get on board with it. <laughs> um, so not to blabber on too much, guys, but you know, before we board the train, um, before we um, we queue up and, and get on to where we will be sleeping for the night, uh, maybe I can go over some little things that I've missed and what I haven't missed about China um, and kind of update you about what I've been doing in Beijing over the past few days because I've actually been in Beijing now for four days. Um, and, then, um, and then I'll tell you a little bit about this train. Okay, so... Things that I've missed about Beijing, the ease of everything. It's just so easy. Paying with WeChat, is ah, oh, you never have to touch money here. It's incredible, but um, kind of dangerous because you do end up spending a lot more than you realize. But um, no, I love paying, the ease of paying with things, taxis and bikes, stuff like that, anything. Um, it's just so, tack, uh, tack, tack, you know, like it's just very, very, very convenient. Um, cycling around Beijing man it's different you know in Tainan I feel like a long cycle is 15 minutes and in Beijing for some reason I am happy cycling 45 minutes like yesterday I went cycling around um, literally for about two or three hours trying to find tons of different North Korean restaurants there will be a video on that um, on my YouTube as well but yeah I was cycling around happily for hours and I could have cycled some more I don't know why it's so different but actually I think it's a combination of the weather it's very nice weather right now. Not too hot, not too cold. Um, it's about like 18 degrees um, during the daytime, maybe even a little bit hotter, but it's very dry. It feels very nice. Um, and also the roads, they're just so big. Like, it, I feel like it just really suits cycling, um, it's, it's, apart from the traffic. If you can deal with the crazy traffic, again, you have to just be like super confident and just kind of go for it. If you can deal with that, then it's fine. And, um, and I love that. I love just going for it. Uh, it's actually... You know, it's safe. It's fine. I feel like it is anyway. Um, the the weather, and just on the weather, and I know I'm, I'm being so British here by wanting to talk about the weather, but hey, um, it's mental as well. Like, in I swear, the people here in 7 degrees wear the same thing that people do in 27 degrees in Tainan. You know, like, it's so dry here. So the weather, the cold, it just hits different. Like, um, in the daytime, yeah, okay, maybe it gets up to 18 or like a little bit hotter around the 20s. Um, but in um, in the morning, it's around 7 or 8 degrees. And I go out running and I literally see people like just wearing like a hoodie and some joggers and stuff like that. And like people do that in Tainan in 27 degrees. And to be fair, Tainan does feel cold. I don't know why. I think it's um, something to do with the, um, I think it's probably to do with the, um, uh, the humidity and stuff like that. Oh, well. 
I have also really um, missed the Beijing accent, the way the Beijing people speak. I really miss people calling me Nin, which is like the polite way of saying like Ni, like in Ni Hao, it's like you. Um, people use Nin here, which is like the polite form of you. Um, and everyone says it, and I just haven't heard it in years. Um, and of course, the, the famous Beijing accent, Er. And they basically add an er to everything, which kind of makes them sound like pirates. Um, it's just it's just very homely. It has a very homely feel to it. Um, you know, for example, in Tainan or in Taiwan, they would say like, Niao chi na li. Um, in Beijing, it's like, Niao chi na ra. It's, uh, for me, it's very homely. I just love that accent. Um, it's very nice. Um, honestly, some really big things that I haven't missed. missed and kind of forgotten about one would be the hot water thing even though I didn't even notice that before the second would be um, the fact that no toilets have tissue paper I also forgot about that um, until uh, I needed it um, <laughs> the squat toilets everywhere as well even like in fancy restaurants and stuff you're, you're likely to find a squat toilet and yeah I just can't get over that especially since a lot of Taiwan has now like Japanese style toilets which you know have all the buttons on the side where you can change the seat heat and you can you know push up water through everywhere and it's all very scary really um, but they, they don't have anything like that here um, annoying thing as well is uh, having to check the AQI it's just like a standard thing that you just used to uh, think every foreigner does in Beijing and every a lot of people do in Beijing in general um, AQI is the air quality index and you just have to watch out for that pollution like before I went for a run in the morning I would check the pollution and obviously that's kind of annoying that's that those are those things that I have missed and definitely haven't missed about Beijing and China after being here for a few days um, there is actually a massive long list but um, I'm not going to go into it all because we are ready to board the train Okay, the green light's on, we're about to start boarding. I think it's gonna be pretty hectic from now on. A lot easier than I thought. You can actually scan passports too, foreign passports. Amazing. Okay, we found the platform, we've gone through all of the difficult steps. Now we've just got to find our carriage, our little section number, and the bed. Bingo. Alright, we have finally stepped 
onto the train. I've got my um, got my little carriage area, and uh, I have to say, it's um, it's probably the worst thing that could have happened because I'm right next to um, the door and right next to the entrance, um, which doubles up as a uh, as a smoking area and also as a um, as the toilet area. So eh, never mind. I'm also in the um, in the middle bunk, which um, you know I'm going to tell you in a minute. Um, how this train kind of works, so you guys can uh, can imagine what I'm going through right now. But first, um, I'm going to get settled in, uh, get sat down, and meet my uh, meet my cabin buddies, and then head to the dining car where I'm going to check in with you guys again. So I am currently walking down the train on my way to carriage 12 which is where the dining cart is going to be. Unfortunately, it seems that I am in one of the busiest carriages um, because mine is absolutely full and it's hard to find a seat at the side. This one, there is absolutely no one in as I'm walking down. Uh, we've got a lot of carriages to walk down because we have to get all the way to 12 and um, it's a good few minute walk to be honest. Um, just walking past in between all of the carriages is where you can smoke, so there are still ashtrays and stuff like that. Um, you can inhale lots of, uh, lots of cigarette on the way, which is always lovely. And um, going past all of the toilets as well, which uh, are, in fact, just holes in... <laughs> someone offering us food. Um, the toilets are just holes in the floor. Uh, so. I do show that on uh, on the video as well, just to give you some nice visuals. But hey, you're on a moving train. What else can you expect? A lot more, actually, probably. I've been on a lot of trains with a lot nicer toilets, but hey, but uh, it's all part of the experience. I think I've been walking for um, for a good few minutes now. This train. Oh, we're at number ten. Okay, two more carriages to go. Someone to the side of me has just spilt their um, just spilt their pot noodles, and we've just found our way to first class, which is basically called the soft sleeper. And instead of having six beds, you have three beds. Uh, sorry, instead of having six beds, you have four beds in a room. Um, I'll explain that one to you in a minute. But there is a bit of a trick with the soft sleeper. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Is that if you can be bothered working all, walking all the way down, 
there is sometimes a real toilet, a real toilet in first class. So um, that's a little, that's a little trick on the sleeper train. And look, you got a nice little room here as well. You got a lovely blue carpet as well in the um, in the soft sleeper carriages. Seems to be quite full though. Soft sleeper is popular. And finally, here we are in carriage 12. I think it took me about three minutes to walk down here. Finally, got to the dining cart. See if I can find a seat. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I was just messing around with the um, yeah, just messing around with the train conductor about us not having any money, and then he sees me in the dining cart, and he's like, "I thought you didn't have any money." These trains are always the best places to make friends, to be honest. So that was the train conductor letting me know very politely that um, filming is not allowed. It doesn't matter whether it is um, filming everyone else or filming myself. Uh, he was very adamant that um, it really is not permitted. So um, never mind. At least he doesn't know my microphone is on, and I can just look like a weirdo chatting to myself. Um, very much feels like I'm, I'm I'm on a trip to North Korea or on on the way to North Korea. Um, definitely not like it used to be. I don't know why they're getting stricter. Um, we have just left Beijing. We left Beijing about 20 minutes ago. Um, it's currently almost 6 o'clock, but the sun is still out. It's very nice. It's a shame I can't film outside of the window, but um, you guys only get the audio anyway. So we were just, I was just making the order there and um, it seems like there is absolutely no maneuverability in terms of uh, what there is on the menu. It is one thing and one thing only I asked for something vegetarian and he said everything is already prepared um, so I must eat the chicken. So um, never mind, I guess that's what's on the menu for today. Um, and uh, there was a little bit of an anecdote about how um, I added for Beijing Tuang in the bit of a err when I said Duartian. Um, like, I'm asking him how much money it is. He commented on my nice Beijing accent, so, um, so that was quite nice. So just passed through Tongzhou um, and on the way to Tianjin now. And I think now is the perfect opportunity to tell you how on earth this train works. And um, hopefully you can get a bit of a better feel for, um, for what my environment is currently like. So this train is massive. Um, obviously we're in carriage number 12 right now. Um, and I am I'm leaving. My little bedroom is in carriage number five. Um, I don't know how many carriages it goes up to. It goes, maybe this is the last one, maybe it goes up to 14, but there's not much more than 12. Um, and it is pretty slow. Um, it's not 
it's not super slow. I should actually calculate the um, the time it takes, but it does take 14 hours to get to where we're going. Um, and it's not a high-speed train in in the fact that everything is whizzing past you. You know, you can really look out and you can see the cars and you can make everything out. You can see all the cities that you're going through. That isn't until at least it gets dark, which is probably going to do in the next hour. Um, and the train carriages are pretty cool. So the one that I'm sat in at the moment is the restaurant cart, and it has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It has twelve tables, and each table can fit four people. Um, at the front, it has like a little um, little area where you know there's, I suppose, um, the main waiter guy sits and lets everyone come in. Um, and, um, and there are some curtains on the window, so just to give you a little bit of a visual for the feel of it. And um, most of the train conductors, I, I presume they're not very busy because they all seem to be sat in here. Maybe that's why they didn't want me to take any, any videos. Um, really strange, actually. I can't think why they don't want me to take any videos because there is nothing to note in here. It's, um, it's really not very exciting. Uh, for the rest of the train carriages, so I have a hard sleeper ticket and there are actually two different kinds of tickets. There are seated tickets. Oh no, I tell a lie. There are four different kinds of tickets. There are standing tickets, there are seated tickets, there is hard sleeper, and there is a soft sleeper. And I can tell you, um, getting this train with a standing ticket is not <laughs> the best. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But first of all, um, let me tell you more about the layout. So you've got the hard sleepers. Let's talk about those first, um, because the seats are pretty obvious. It's just a seat, right? Um, you definitely don't want to be sitting on a seat for this whole time, but yeah, standing is worse. So um, you have a hard sleeper, um, and th to be honest, they're my favorite. Um, I even prefer them to like the first class ticket, which is a soft sleeper. Uh, the hard sleeper, you have um, a berth. So um, there's six people to one berth. And then I think that there are, I've spoken about this in the podcast with Greg, actually, um, the Air Courier episode, so I won't talk too much in-depthly, but there are um, six people to each berth, um, and it's quite open, it's quite nice, and then you have the um, soft sleepers, and like there you have your own personal berth with like four people, um, and the door closes, and it's all a bit claustrophobic, I find, but I guess it can be a bit quieter, a bit nicer, um, especially if there's four of you, it's probably a good shout. Um, and then you have the... Um, Quiet enough. Hey, hold on. I got my chopsticks. Long long He asks me if I can um, if I can use the chopsticks. Let's give that a go. So I'm going to um, tuck into my um, my absolutely non-vegetarian meal because um, everything this was the only option. Mm. Lisa's rice and three out of five things are vegetarian anyway. So, mm. not bad, but I'm um, definitely not worth the the fifty renminbi that it costs. But it's worth it for the experience, and you can't sit in the dining hall in the dining cart without it. So back to talking about the carriages. Hard sleeper, it's got six beds. Um, soft sleeper, it's got four beds. Now, the, I 
Now this time I am stuck in that middle bed, which I don't know, maybe I've said before that it's the best, but this time I've decided that it's definitely the worst. Um, and I have to say, I have probably the worst in the whole train, um, or the, the worst kind in the carriage, because I'm right next to the door, which incidentally is right next to the toilet and also right next to where people smoke. So. I don't think I'm going to get much sleep tonight with that door banging very loudly as people go in and out all the time. But never mind, that's what it is. So what's going to happen is I'm going to finish my meal here. I'll probably um, walk around the carriage a little bit, um, take some more videos, probably speak to you a little bit more in here, and then probably sit in my little birth area. Now, <laughs> how it usually works actually, which is quite cute, is that um, people will all sit on the bottom beds. And so you have one, two, three, four, five, six people all sitting on the bottom beds. And like the way this hierarchy kind of works is that the people well, who are sitting like closest to the window edge, so like furthest into the berth, and they are the ones that are on the bottom bunk. So like that bunk bed belongs to them, right? That bed belongs to them, but everyone's sitting on it. It's kind of unfortunate. Um, and then you've got the person in the middle, and they sit in the middle. And then the person right at the top, they sit next to the, um, the outside of the bed and right next to the ladder to conveniently get to their bed later on. You might be thinking by this point that this sounds horrific. Um, you know, there's lots of sounds going on around me, lots of sights, lots of smells. Um, there is a lot going on, but you might be surprised that you can get a pretty pleasant sleep here um, if you've prepared well enough, which I kind of tried to do here. It's very important to prepare things like earphones or, you know, um, earplugs, something like that. I like to listen to podcasts when I go to sleep, so I have those downloaded and prepared. And then I also have a sleep mask. I have very, very comfy clothes on, literally just sweatpants and a jumper. Then I also have some herbal tea that I can drink just before bed and also some films downloaded. Um, so shortly when I go back to my little birth area, I'm probably just going to climb right into bed and then go to, um, and then, you know, just listen to some movies and go to bed. And to be honest, this is my favorite train because you go to bed and also lights go off, by the way, at 10 o'clock. So people will still be shuffling around. It'll be quite annoying because like I said, um, there is still the door that will be going very loudly, um, opening very and closing very loudly uh, right next to me. Um, but this is my favorite train because I'll go to sleep at 10 o'clock and then I'll be woken up at six and then pretty much get there at like seven, just after seven. Um, I think 7.30 in Dandong, so really, um, you get a nice couple of hours chilling on the train. You don't have too much time to be bored. You get an early night, nine or 10 o'clock, and then you wake up and um, that's all perfect. So that's pretty much the journey that I'll be taking you on right now. Why this train? Well, this train is special because this is the train that we take when we're going on our way into North Korea. Unfortunately, my journey this time ends um, in Dandong. I won't be going into North Korea, but it is pretty much the closest that I can get right now, um, literally just a few kilometers away, because Dandong is situated right on the border to North Korea. When I say right on the border, I mean that it is, um, you know, it is only separated by a natural land border that is the Yalu River. I said before that um, we would talk about the, uh, the seated train and the seated ticket and the standing ticket. Now, I have spoken about that before. I realized so I'm not going to go over that again uh, but I do have a fun anecdote about that if you wanted to go back I think episode 10 and um, the air carrier one where I have guests on is Greg 
um, sorry, Greg on as a guest, um, and you can listen to that because that's quite a fun anecdote of how I managed to uh, to escape the standing area of this train and um, and go on to um, to the the sleeping area. Um, it would probably be a little bit more difficult now with the um, with the electronic ticket system, but I'm sure they found a way to work that through. And my journey does end in Dandong this time, but I am actually planning to go on to another city called Shenyang, which has like a, a big Korean population and a big Korea town, so I may make a couple of videos there. Um, and in Dandong, I am spending a few hours, so I will be able to show you um, a lot of the North Korean border. Um, I'll keep you guys on here as well, so um, that's what that's where we will be finishing this podcast, is, um, is right at the North Korean border, so stick around for that. It is so different this time as well because um, I used to, I, like I said, I've got this train about probably about 20 or 30 times in my life uh, because I would go in and out of North Korea on this train. So if you add all of that up, um, and the train conductors used to know me. Uh, it was such a pleasant experience. I used to get free beers, um, I used to get free meals, and they used to know my order because, you know, usually I would get vegetarian stuff and they would know that and um, they would see me and they would get everything ready. Um, sometimes give it me for free, but always get a beer for free at least. Um, now, <laughs> now things are pretty different. These people do not like me at all, but um, never mind. Sitting in this dining car, it reminds me of um, all of the times that we would have to be kicked out of here pretty much, you know, we would spend, I think they, I can't remember what time they must close here, but I think that they want to close around, um, it's quite early, around 7 or 8 o'clock, maybe 9 o'clock, but, you know, we would always want to stay here and, and carry on, I don't know, having a few beers and just chatting because you can't really chat in your own carriage area and of course everyone on the way to North Korea everyone is pretty excited and everyone's just getting to know each other um, and I'm just getting to know them so it's it's pretty exciting and everyone is you know geared up for a holiday um, and so spirits are high everyone um, you know is chatting away and you can't do that in the in the carriage so we try and stay here as long as possible and the way to do that is to just keep them happy by keep buying stuff um, so as long as we keep buying stuff and it is usually beer. Um, as long as we keep buying that, then they seem to let you. But it it, it never ends up being too late. Um, you know, never end up getting back later than uh, than eleven or twelve o'clock to your carriage. But usually it's much earlier. I think um, usually it's about nine o'clock, ten o'clock that they really uh, really want to kick you out. When it's just me sitting in here, um, I'm not allowed to being told off for filming, being told off for you know stuff like that, and um, getting this meal that I had no choice in uh, that's kind of awful and the rice is cold yeah I feel like um, I might just bring my own food next time and I have decided that it's a lot more fun to get this train with other people this is actually the first time ever that I've got this train alone which I've only just realized um, so um, that is very different actually that's quite mental it's quite nice not having to, to worry about everyone, but at the same time, uh, I think it's probably a bit too chill. It would be nice to have um, have someone to chat to who's not just going to ask me um, where I learnt my Chinese <laughs> or if I can use chopsticks. <laughs> On my way out of the dining car and um, and down to my down to my little berth at the moment, just watching the sunset go down. It is currently eight forty. Oh, sorry, it is currently six thirty-five. The sun goes down at 6.42 and uh, it's gorgeous, 
blue, clear skies at the moment. There are some clouds over the sun. It's creating a magnificent sunset wherever I manage to, to see it through, um, through the buildings and through the railway barriers and stuff like that. Everything that's kind of in the way of seeing this sunset uh, that you can expect to see on the horizon as you're, as you're going through kind of rural China uh, or the outskirts of Beijing, I should say. Um, but a really, really beautiful sunset whenever I'm catching the glimpse of it. Really burning red ball of fire. Incredible. We are currently approaching Tianjin, uh, the first stop on this train, and it is an hour later, and it, <laughs> that always astonishes me. It always kind of sets at home how slow this train is compared to the other fast trains, when I remember that if you want to go to Tianjin from Beijing, it is just a 20-minute train journey on the fast train, or maybe even less than 20 minutes, I can't quite remember. Um, but it really does set at home how much slower this train is um, and uh, how much of a different journey it is compared to, compared to the fast trains, the Gautier. It's nice though, you know, you can really, really enjoy all of the little cities that you're going through. It's nice the sun hasn't set yet, and when, it does, when the sun does set, it sets slowly. Um, it's going to be light for another couple of hours, I think. I'll maybe have another hour of sunlight. Just sit and gaze out the window. He's my favorite guy. <laughs> He's the guy with beer and with peanuts and instant noodles. A great companion to have on a train. <laughs> they come through and push carts on the train uh, with all kinds of things. And you'll also have guys that are um, that sell things as well sometimes. I haven't seen one of those yet, but the beer guy just came through. <laughs> I've just uh, opened the cucumber crisps to cheer me up after realizing that um, I was completely wrong before saying that we were almost approaching Tianjin. It was just the fact that the train had slowed. It made me think that we were approaching, but and my memory was not serving me well at all because it probably is just about half an hour or 20 minutes on the fast train to Tianjin, but I think it's more like two hours on the slow train, to be honest. Um, we haven't got there yet. Seems like we're slowing down again. Oh, we might just be approaching right now. It's already getting dark. It is about an hour and a half later. Yes. Oh, I've just seen. We're at um, Tianjin North, so we're not even at the train, uh, the main train station of Tianjin, but we're at North Tianjin train station. We're just passing through. We won't be stopping here, but that's why we slowed down. But man, an hour and a half in, we're not even at Tianjin. It must be must be two hours. Might even be dark by the time we get to Tianjin. <laughs> That was just the announcement telling us that we are about to get to Tianjin yep, about over an hour and a half after we set up. Slow train. The first stop on this long 14-hour train journey. Tianjin, an hour and a half in. We are finally leaving the first stop of this journey that has about seven or eight stops. Finally leaving Tianjin. And uh, it's gone dark. So that is my cue to, uh, to clamber into bed. And um, I'm going to take you through how to prepare for this trip.
and how to make it as comfy as possible. So, how do we make a train, a 14-hour train, comfortable? Well, let me take you through what I prepared, what I'm very used to preparing, um, and see if I did anything differently this time. So, first of all, the most important thing is to wear something comfortable. Um, you're going to be on this train for a long time, so I think I already mentioned, I'm currently wearing sweatpants and a jumper, and what I do is, to be honest, I don't get changed before I go to sleep. I don't bring um, pajamas or anything like that. But um, I do get changed in the morning just because it makes you feel fresher. You know, there is something very different about like wearing different clothes in the morning than the ones that you've slept in. Um, it makes you feel a lot fresher and, you know, just helps you freshen up and feel a little bit more alive. Um, and of course, when I am riding this train, I usually am with tourists and stuff and I want to look a little bit half decent. So. <laughs> I am at work, um, so I, I do have the habit of having a, a change of clothes handy um, and then I change into those in the morning. Um, in terms of clothes as well, you want to make sure that um, if you stay at a hotel beforehand, it's perfect because you can just take the hotel slippers, you know, that you're given. Um, you can just bring those along with you. Slippers are perfect for the train journey because they're comfortable and, you know, you can dispose of them afterwards. Uh, you can walk around the train in them very, you know, very very comfortably so um, slippers are a really good idea I have packed my slippers um, you definitely want tissues there will probably be no tissues in the toilets and by toilets I do mean hole in the floor however um, do remember that there is that secret um, actual real toilet in the uh, in the first class soft soft sleeper cabin so um, that is something else that can make you a little bit more comfortable on this train journey wet wipes um, they come in very handy for um, a, a makeshift shower in the morning time um, again something to help you kind of freshen up in the morning uh, give your face and, and body a little wash in the toilets or toilet area um, with some wet wipes you are then going to want to have some snacks. Um, I did just have some some oval food in the uh, in the train cabin. You can bring whole pot noodles, uh, instant noodles, because there is the um, there is the hot water taps there, so you can bring that, or you can you know bring on full on meals, bring your KFC, whatever. But uh, do make sure to bring some snacks, just some little things like some crisps. Um, my snack of choice this trip is um, <laughs> some cucumber crisps, but I also got some nuts and fruit as well. Um, the next thing that you're going to want to definitely bring that uh, makes you feel very comfortable or a lot more chilled is uh, having films or podcasts or something like that and you want to make sure that these things are downloaded because on this train carriage there may not be any charging ports. In fact, on my carriage, in my little berth area, there are no charging ports. Um, in the other carriages that are, I saw as I was walking through, but I just happen to be on the one of the ones that doesn't have any, so excellent. Um, it's okay though because I do have two portable chargers with me um, so that's the next thing on the list that you need when you are preparing for a sleeper train in China definitely you need your portable chargers uh, your power banks um, just in case there aren't any sockets but also when there are sockets there is only about let me think two four six eight maybe eight per 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 cabin and there is a lot more people than that so you know you do the maths Sometimes there is a person, some genius, that will bring a um, extension cable though. So uh, they are everyone's best friend when they manage to do that. 
the next thing that you want to make sure that you bring actually two things is two separate water bottles now i i say two separate water bottles because you want one that is normal water that you can just drink like normal temperature because the next water bottle that you want to bring is like one of those like tin reusable kind of water bottle things that you can fill up with but there is only hot boiling water on the train so if you're thirsty and want something right away then um, you're gonna have to wait a little bit for that to cool down so it's always good to bring two bits of water with you I prefer to bring breakfast with me um, there is breakfast in the morning but to be honest from my experience it's worse than the dinner which oh, I've just found out is saying a lot because that dinner is really not great um, so I'd recommend to bring breakfast I've got some um, bread with me but also you are arriving at 7.30 so if you can wait uh, you can get some fresh breakfast when you arrive in Dandong. Usually when we're taking the train to North Korea you will have about an hour of exploration before you then get back on the train to go all the way through to Pyongyang uh, when you're in Dandong so you do also have some time in Dandong as well. The next thing uh, which is very important is some earplugs or at least um, earphones um, and an eye mask so i usually listen to podcasts when i go to sleep i think i mentioned that um, and that's what i will be doing so you know my earphones work as my earplugs because to be honest people are usually very respectful the lights go off and everyone is hush everyone's very very quiet but if you happen to be next to a sleeper or indeed sandwiched in between a sleeper in, in between a snorer as I may very well be on this trip um, I've got someone someone beneath me and someone on top of me um, and uh, who knows who's gonna snore I also have someone to the side of me as well so um, hopefully um, you know cross my fingers for no snorers but you can't help that when you're sleeping um, and then another thing that makes this train a lot more comfortable is to have two different bags with you so now I have packed one big bag and that has all of my luggage in it and then I also have a separate bag and I just basically shove the big bag away I don't want to use that at all this train journey and I have everything else that I need in my smaller bag um, and that's basically just ease of access you know the, the train can be very very crowded luckily this time it's not so crowded it can be very crowded um, it's not uh, ideal to be like getting like big suitcases out and stuff like that all the time ideally you'll have your own little other bag and you can also keep like all of your um, important belongings in there all of your expensive stuff and then keep it with you as you sleep as well if you wanted to and um, honestly China is very very safe it's very secure you can leave all of your stuff on your bed as you go to the dining car that is what I just did as well and um, but if you don't feel comfortable doing that then it's good to have a little bag where you can keep next to you as you are sleeping and that's to be honest everything that I need to keep me comfortable and um, you might want to think about some home comforts as well that would make you more comfortable or whatever you usually need to go to sleep <laughs> or wake up in the morning um, I did miss out the most important thing on my list to be honest which is coffee I do have um, coffee in my bag ready for the morning time too. I guess we'll wait and see until I get off the train tomorrow morning to see what I have forgotten. <laughs> Hopefully it will be nothing. just had and survived my first toilet trip of the train journey. It was fine. <laughs> it's a hole in the floor, it's fine. Uh, the earlier you get to that toilet the better because uh, it's gonna be the least used let's just say that it's not the uh, the most hygienic of places
little tip about the toilet as well is um, you can't actually use the toilet when the train is stationary so they usually lock the toilets when the train is stationary this can be a little problematic uh, if you are stuck somewhere for a long time if you're stuck for I don't know stop somewhere for 10 minutes and you're desperate for the loo so if you hear an announcement that says that you're gonna get somewhere that you're about to arrive somewhere then um, and you need the loo make sure to uh, to get ahead there quickly don't wait so I just got myself um, comfortably into bed got the covers on and got my sleeping mask out got my headphones on ready to uh, start winding down to sleep the lights have just gone off so I'm gonna need to start whispering as everyone else on the train starts to wind down and hopefully the next time I tune in with you guys we're gonna be a little bit colder a little bit further north and it's going to be very early in the morning somewhere near Dandong in northeast China. Good night. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.